on today's episode of the Just Jazz podcast. We will discuss the recent woes of the jazz, but also the highs that the jazz are having. We'll discuss our high note, low note, keeping up with Quinn, just talk jazz basketball a little bit, and as always, our buzzer beat take. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, and now we're no longer on Buzzsprout, but Anchor. All right, Max, here we go. Left-hand dribble, hands off the memo, for money, yes! Cash it in the bank! Runs it to Burks, catch and shoot three, no. Rebound, oh my! I gotta see that over and over again. Played by who? Mitchell. This is Just Jazz, your weekly podcast, sometimes bi-weekly podcast for Utah Jazz game analysis, news, rumors, predictions, undying love, and more. We're your hosts, Zach and Max. We're back at it. Uh, our hearts are a little crushed, but nonetheless, we are still excited to talk about Utah Jazz basketball. Uh, let's just jump right into it. Let's get the ball rolling, Zach. Let's, let's, let's start off with our high note, because we're going to have a lot of low notes to talk about, unfortunately, but I think it's... You know, the future is bright on the other side of this this uh, rough patch of jazz basketball. So let's start off with our high notes. Okay, so my high note um, for this past week was, and this doesn't really have anything to do with, uh, with the way that the jazz are playing. However, Max and I have a friend who is the nanny for Hassan Whiteside. And the day that Hassan was put into COVID protocols, I knew that he had COVID before the nanny did. And the nanny was at Hassan's house at that time. So shout out to Max and I, because our sources are improving. And yeah, we're, we're in the note. So that's my high note. Yeah, that, that was pretty sweet. Um, our inside source to... Hassan Whiteside's life. We really don't get to know that much. Don't worry, Hassan. If you ever hear about this, she's a, she ain't leaking everything. Um, but uh, my high note, I think I really liked Gobert's performance. Um, and I'm liking whenever we feed him the ball. I, our high note is, my high note is really freaking Gobert. Like he, without him, we fail. Without him, we fall. And with him, uh, he, he is... He sets the tone. He, he's, he's the center of our defense. And I really like that Nuggets game when he had 18 points, 19 rebounds. He had two assists and then two blocks. Like, I love those big games. I think that Rudy should be averaging 14 to 15 points a game. Um, and so I love it when he gets to go over that, uh, that barrier. I think that he's crucial to our success. And uh, Rudy Gobert was my high note. Uh, this past week, him coming back, and especially his performance in that Nuggets game. Um, I'll just jump into it uh, from a low note perspective. Uh, um, <clears throat> I think it's safe to say that the low note is just the overall performance of the Utah Jazz. Um, 
And I think maybe the lowest of lows is just not seeing people who I think could help us out getting playing time, such as Eric Pascal. I think that Eric Pascal is a great energy player and he plays hard defense and he's, you know, not the most gifted offensive player, but he, he does what he needs to do. And I would like to see him play and uh, our, our guys have been struggling and I just don't understand why uh, we're not mixing things up to figure it out. So that was my low note. What about you, Zach? My low note comes from the reality of understanding that the jazz team as we know it very well could be done. And, you know, it's, it's, it's guys that, it's guys that we love, but, you know, the jazz we've lost, what, six of seven now. Um, there's a, there's a lot that's, that's going on. We have a very tough schedule coming up as well. And for the past three years, we've had the same problem is our wing defenders can't defend. And so we are sitting here with, you know, the same guys. It's the, the, the core seven, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Bogey, Royce, Rudy, Joe Clarkson. They've been here for the greater part of, of the last three years. Um, you know, Clarkson was obviously added later in the year of, of that first year. Um, but, you know, we've had those seven guys and they can't defend. It's, it's the truth of it. And, and so I think that, you know, we could see any of or all of Joe Clarkson, Royce, and Bogdanovich out. Like, they, they could be traded here in the next couple of weeks, and that's a sad reality. Yeah, it is a sad reality. I do want to add, I wouldn't say they can't defend. Rudy Gobert definitely can't defend. And then I also want to say, I think that these guys are very capable defenders. We've seen flashes. You know, Donovan Mitchell was drafted to be uh, a defender. Um, Jordan Clarkson at times shows flashes of very aggressive, uh, you know, defense. He's very, you know, he's very quick. He can, he can get steals, but Donovan has shown that in the playoffs, he tends to step up. You know, these are capable guys, but for whatever reason, um, which reasons that we think we may know that we'll talk about later, but for whatever reason, it really is like they just can't put it together consistently enough. And it's it's a big red flag. And uh, it's definitely showing these last six games. Um, you know, the uh, 10 games ago, we played the Golden State Warriors. We had just come off a six game win streak. We lost to the Golden State Warriors. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley shot a horrid 25% uh, combined from the field. Um, we only ended up losing by, I believe, seven points. Um, and it was close up until a dagger three. Yeah, it was close. Um, like it, was, it was closer than seven points. Yes. And since that game, though, and I wouldn't say that was a bad loss. I believe they were without Draymond. And we were on a back-to-back. -back. We were on a back-to-back. But it wasn't a terrible loss. But since that loss, we have gone cold. I will say also that we did, after that game, start having, you know, COVID protocols hit the team pretty hard. And we have had a lot of inconsistency. I don't think that any of our guys are necessarily suffering from side effects of COVID. But for whatever reason, since that Warriors game, 
and along with the COVID protocol, we have been really struggling. And whether it's struggling or you know the 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 ultimate weakness of the Jazz is finally showing, people are really attacking it. Uh, you know, whatever that it is, it's it's been bad for the Jazz, and it's, it's hard to talk about. It's sad because you know we don't want to think about players getting traded. We don't want to think about. Um, our, our team doing so terribly when we were the, you know, the best team, well, best in the regular season last year, and we had high expectations coming into this season. Um, but I think there's a lot to learn. I think the players, our guys are the type to give up, and I think we have a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to that comes into play, you know, the, the COVID protocols of it all, but also um, – you know, Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge, since he's been brought in and in, in no way am I blaming Danny for anything, but we're 10 and nine since, since Ainge was brought in. And I think, and as, as you watch this team now, you understand that this team is playing like they know something's going to happen. They know that a trade's going to be there. And so it's, it's really, it's really tough to play like that. And, you know, like you said, yeah, these guys have shown flashes. Clarkson's shown flashes. Bogdanovich has shown flashes. But you need your defense there every single night. And, and there's honestly, I hate to say it, besides Rudy Gobert, there's not a single player on our team that brings it every single night. If you watched last night's game against the Houston Rockets, you know, for, for a couple of years now we've said, oh, you know, Royce is this lockdown defender. If you watched last night against the Rockets, Royce O'Neal, the Rockets wanted Royce to guard the ball on the last possession of the game. The, you know, KPJ had Conley on him, and he wanted a switch with Eric Gordon, who had Royce guarding him. So they made the switch. KPJ got Royce, and KPJ hit the three. So you, you say what you want, but these guys, night in, night out, just aren't – they aren't bringing it. And, and you, you know, it, it's tough to see, but that's the reality of things. And in today's NBA, and I think Danny Ainge knows just as well as everyone, is that you, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be traded. He traded Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was a top five in the MVP, and he traded him that very next season. Like, Oh, he's a fan favorite. Like, and a fan favorite. Like, there's, you know, obviously, you know, Don's not going anywhere. Rudy's probably not going anywhere. Mike's probably not going anywhere. Besides those three, I don't know if there's a guy on this team that you can look at and say, no, he's safe. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that we brought in Danny Ainge because of what he's known for being able to do and that he has no emotional ties to any of the players and he'd be able to come in and make whatever trade necessary? to take the Jazz to the next level. Yeah, I think Danny was brought in for a couple reasons. You know, Ryan Smith, it seems like he's trying to do, you know, he's bringing in the best. He's bringing in the best guys available at every position. And he's, you know, he's trying to stack this front office. Like if, if you look at it right now in the front office, you have Danny Ainge, who won GM of the year, Dennis Lindsay, who's a, um, what is he? And then he's in an advisory role. And then Justin Zanuck, like those are three very capable GMs 
that that are sitting there in your front office that you know i'm sure that ryan smith has faith in all three of those guys you know and and that's a huge benefit is that all three of those guys you know Zanet can be on the phone with a GM in, let's say, San Antonio, while Danny Ainge is on the phone with the GM in Sacramento, and Dennis Lindsay's on the phone with a GM in Indiana. Like, there's a lot of different angles that you can play, and I expect the Jazz to do a lot. But yeah, Danny Ainge is going to do whatever he needs to do to create this championship team. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, there's no other reason really to bring him in, I mean, besides just stacking the front office, but. You know, he seems that he – it seems from outside looking in that he's the guy that is willing to make the cutthroat decision um, at all costs, at any cost. And that will be very interesting to see. we got the trade deadline coming up very soon within the next month. Um, but I want to go back to the Jazz defense, Zach. Um, I think that in the past few years – it's safe to say that the Jazz individual defense, like individual player defense, has gotten worse year over year. Like Royce used to be a lockdown defender. Like that's why we extended the contract. Like that's how he made himself a, a spot in the league. Like without his defense, he would have never found a spot in the Jazz. I think he, we always knew it, that he wasn't the, you know, a top tier. But statistically, even he had some pretty impressive defensive stats. And he got the job done. But I think that, you know, looking at him, I think, and even Donovan Mitchell and other guys, there's been a lack of effort. The guys have gotten worse and worse every year. I think personally, I, I wonder what you would say, but I think personally it's because of Rudy Gobert. I think that having Rudy Gobert behind us every game, knowing that he can stop most people, has made us soft and get, made us complacent. Um, I mean, what, what would you say? Yeah, so I think our, our system, you know, a lot of it allows for Rudy to, um, you know, just like it allows for guys to slack off because they know Rudy's back there. When in reality, it should allow them, they should be playing harder. We aren't in enough passing lanes. We aren't in, you know, we're not creating steals. We're not creating fast break opportunities when in reality we should be. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that's that's part of the system. And, you know, Rudy Gobert has covered up a lot of that in the in the last couple of years. And, you know, and now it's kind of coming to fruition that that it's, it's not enough. Rudy Gobert is not enough. And I think, you know, we're in this really in between phase. I was talking to some friends. And they said, who's this team built for? Is it built for Don or is it built for Rudy? And the question is, is it's built in between? Because what you need, if you want the Jazz to succeed, you look at the top teams in the West, okay? The, the big three of the Jazz is pretty similar to the other big threes in the West, you know, you look at the top two teams, those are the teams you're chasing in the Suns and the Warriors. You know, obviously, you know, Steph is the best player out there, but, you know, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, um, and then Booker, Aiden, and Chris Paul, and then Rudy, Don, and Mike, at their best, you know, at our, when our guys are on, 
you know, we're right up there with those guys and their big three. The difference is, is their role players. And, and the Jazz need to create defensive opportunities where Donovan Mitchell can rest. Because like you said, Donovan is a capable defender, but Donovan has such a high offensive ask that it's almost impossible to play that level of defense that he needs to in order for us to be competitive. So, and you look at these other teams, you know, with Golden State, they have Wiggins, they have Iggy, they have Otto Porter, they have Gary Payton II, Wanton Anderson. Like they have, they have so many guys that are six, seven, and can defend. The Phoenix Suns, they have um, McCall Bridges, who's a great, great defender. Cam Johnson, like those guys are on another level. Yeah, Jay Crowder, you know, they're on another level defensively than Bogdanovich and Royce. And that allows them to, you know, hide Devin Booker or, or Steph Curry. You can put him on a worse matchup. Whereas Donovan, because no one can defend, Donovan has to guard a much better guy off um, defensively, and his offense struggles because of that. Yeah, I mean, Rudy Gobert did point out that even Devin Booker has really upped his defense, and I, I think it really does come, ta- come down to the effort. I think that the effort just hasn't been there. We've gotten so used to just funneling everything to Rudy Gobert, and, you know, that's just been – I think it's the game plan, honestly. Um, you can't really say too much about that. Like, it's just, it's, it seems like it's the game plan. We've gotten so used to it and like, we're just sticking to that game plan no matter what. Live and die. And it seems like we've been dying by it a lot more than usual lately. Um, but I, I think it's still fair. I wouldn't say that this team is built half and half split to Rudy and Donovan because I think it is built in a way that they can funnel the defense to, to Rudy so that Donovan can thrive on the offensive end. Um, I do see what you're saying, but I, I don't know. I just think that this team is more built around Donovan. He's able to do that pick and roll, you know, like but all his, you know, finishes at the basket usually come off a really awesome Gobert screen or Gobert rolling to the basket. And he's just a threat all the way to the end. Donovan can, you know, do this awesome finish. But yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to say. The Jazz have a lot of a lot of things to work out, though. I do think they need to build this team more towards Donovan Mitchell. We kind of talked about it that, you know, in order to win a championship, the guy can't be Rudy Gobert right now. It's Rudy Gobert is the guy like without him, we suffer without Donovan Mitchell. You know, we do pretty good sometimes. Our offense sometimes even flows better without him. And I think that we need to figure out how to make this more about Donovan Mitchell without exhausting him on both ends of the floor so that he can play the way he needs to be played throughout the entire game and throughout the entire season and hopefully into the NBA finals. Yeah. So I I do want to kind of switch up and and talk about that. Um, So this year I have the plus minus of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. So this season when Donovan Mitchell is a positive plus minus, the jazz are uh, 21 and four with, which is an 84% win percentage. When he's a negative plus minus, we're four and six, so a 40% win percentage. When Rudy Gobert is a positive um, plus minus, we are 27 and four, so an 87% win percentage. And when he's a negative, we're one and seven, so only 13. When Don's a positive and Rudy's a negative, we're one and three for a 25% win percentage. 
when Don is, or when Rudy's positive, Don's negative, we're four and three, so 57%. When both are negative, we're 0 and four. And when both are positive, we're 20 and one. With that one loss um, coming to Miami. However, so that's just the regular season. We, and, and so my argument is Rudy Gobert is good enough that he can get you to the playoffs. However, my argument is Donovan Mitchell is the guy that gets you to the final. So Donovan has played in um, 30, I think 31, 32, or sorry, 30. He's played in 34 playoff games through his career. Um, so in those games, when Rudy is a positive, we're 12 and six. So 67% win percentage. When Rudy's a negative, we're three and 13, 19% win percentage. So in the regular season, we went from a 13% when Rudy's a negative to a 19% when he's a positive. And then when he's a positive, we're at 87% regular season, but only a 67% in the regulars or in the playoffs. Donovan, when he's a negative, is two and 17 for 11%. When he's a positive, we're 13 and two, so 87%. When Don is a positive, Rudy's a negative, we're two and one. And when Rudy's a positive, but Don's a negative, we're one and four. So the two games that we've lost when Donovan Mitchell was a positive was game six and game seven against the Denver Nuggets. So if you want to thrive in the playoffs, you create a team around Donovan Mitchell that can hide him defensively, but also offensively gives him a chance where he can end the night as a positive. If you can do that, you're good enough to win a championship with Rudy Gobert as your second player. I agree. Thank you for that uh, stat eruption. That was beautiful. Um, I, I do think that we need to build more around Donovan Mitchell. And I think that's why having a big athletic wing that can play really good defense is crucial like we need someone to take a heavy workload can guard you know these guys um i mean i'd be pretty happy if we could get a, a smaller guard that could play exceptional defense like a marcus smart even but we need someone or two people to to be difference makers i i do want to talk i want to jump into the keeping up with quinn segment right now zach <clears throat> um last year our role players were amazing Jordan Clarkson was sixth man of the year. Joe Ingles was runner up sixth man of the year. It almost looked like he might've been able to snag it at the end. Um, it was neck and neck up until the end though. Bogdanovich, you know, had his, his injury that he was kind of coming off. Um, but I think that he played pretty well and he's improved a lot this year even, but um, you know, those three guys specifically, and even Royce, Royce really showed that he was able to knock down that three. For some reason, those four guys, maybe not as much bogey this year, but Royce and then Joe and JC have really struggled in the role-playing positions. Why have they taken such a big step back? For me, I think that I've seen that Joe Ingles, the way he's been used has been wrong. We're not giving him the ball as much. We're not giving him as many shots. And we're letting Jordan Clarkson, for example, 
take way too many shots and he's not hitting and he's forcing up. Like when I look, think about last year, I feel like Jordan Clarkson never took a bad shot. Like he, it was all the rage. Like we, everyone talked about how much his shot selection had improved this year. I feel like his shot selection is all over the place. And then also we keep putting Joe Ingles on the court with, you know, these weird lineups, like people that I don't feel like really help him out. And so I feel like our role players have really struggled this year um, because of lineups that Quinn's put him in and maybe not switching to help them find a rhythm with other people that would benefit them more. I don't know what you'd have to say, but I mean, that's just what I've seen. Yeah. So. I mean, first, first of all, one thing you have to understand. So if we take a look at the offensive ratings in the NBA, the Jazz have six of the top seven guys, including the top five. So Donovan Mitchell has the best offensive rating at 118.3, then Hassan at 118.1, Royce O'Neal at 116.8, Rudy at 116.5, Mike at 116.4, then it's Trey Young at 116.2, and Bojan at 116.1. Your offense is there. However, with Quinn, so I think that's very telling, you know, to see what guys are there and what guys aren't. And the two guys that aren't there, Max, are Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson. And I think it's because, you know, like you said, Joe Ingles isn't involved. Joe Ingles isn't running the pick and roll. We just aren't giving him pick and roll opportunities. And I don't understand why. But then on the flip side of that, Jordan Clarkson is having a terrible year. Like any, any way that you put it, Jordan Clarkson is having not a great year. Offensive rating-wise, Clarkson and Joe Ingles are the two worst on our team. Defensive rating-wise, Royce O'Neal is the worst on our team. Jeez. And so, like, offensive rating, it's – and then – or, so sorry, defensive rating, you have Royce at a 110.7, Donovan at a 110.4, and Bogey at a 110.1. And Clark – then Whiteside at a 109.1, Clarkson 105.8. So, Clarkson, as a defender, he's one of our top five defenders. But you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, you have two guys in Clarkson and Ingles that give you a bad offensive rate or, or bad on our team. They're still above league average on that. But then you have your other two role players in Bogdanovich and Royce that are giving you bad defensive ratings. And I think the problem with that is Quinn – gives them too much freedom. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but there's no consequences. Quinn runs his set rotations. And if a player's doing good or bad, it doesn't really matter. You're still going to come out. Jordan Clarkson knows when he checks in, he plays 12 straight minutes. Endless green light. Endless green light. So Jordan Clarkson checks in, I think around five or six minutes in the first quarter, and he plays still about five or six minutes in the second quarter. Same thing. 
third quarter, five or six minutes, he checks in and they'll check out five or six minutes left in the fourth. And, you know, with a guy like Clarkson, you know, and last night, last night we saw it. There was, there was a lot of, of errors that Clarkson was having and Quinn just kept him in. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, the front office is going to give Quinn some more guys that he can trust to put in, but you know, Daniel house and EP, I think they deserve some minutes. And if, if these guys, if Bogdanovich Royce, Joe, JC aren't doing what they need to be doing. Great. Pull them out, make some consequences. And until then, I don't think we're really going to see any change. It blows my mind that Eric Pascal didn't get any playing time last night. I, I, it, it's frustrating. Like he, he's proven that how many times in the last few games that he's awesome. Like he should be getting more minutes than Joe and Clarkson, in my opinion. Uh, he's, he's been so good. And I just don't get why we're not playing him. But it, so, I mean, with, with that, I, I do want to bring that up because, because dope played minutes last night. And it's because we tried to do a new defensive strategy where you are trying to keep Rudy in the paint for defense. And instead of running five out, you're running Rudy in the paint. And then you have four guys trying to cover five on the perimeter. And you're still trying to funnel people into Rudy. And so I think, you know, but there were so many lapses in that. I think that, you know, that's going to take some time. And yesterday was a good opportunity, like to to do that. And you know, small small consequences. A loss to the Rockets really isn't isn't much. But yeah, you know, I do think that he deserves minutes over a guy like Trent Forrest. And I think that EP can give us some energy off the bench, which is something that we haven't seen. We haven't seen a guy give us defensive energy on the Jazz since Jay Crowder, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I we already talked about it, but I wish we got Herb Jones. Herb Jones has been playing great. You guys don't think he's a different would make a difference on a title team? I think that his young energy would be all the difference. I think if we had a young guy fighting for minutes, playing feisty defense for every minute he's on the floor, it'd be all the difference. I want him so bad. I'm sorry, Jared Butler, but we don't need you. You're not even playing for us. You're in the G League right now. Yeah, you're gonna replace Conley three years down the road. I want freaking Herb Jones, dang it. Like he has been here's, here's the problem, Max. And this is this is uh you know it it's just who Quinn is. Quinn doesn't play rookies. Yeah, like well, Quinn, Quinn, Quinn played Donovan because of necessity. And that's that's it, because we we literally didn't have anyone else. And so Quinn was forced to play Donovan. But every rookie that we've had in the Quinn era just doesn't get time. But you look at these other teams, you know, um, Kaminga on the Warriors, he's getting solid minutes. He's guarding the best guy down the stretch of games. A.O. on the Bulls, he's getting quality minutes. And the Jazz just don't have that. But if you want to win, if you want to win a title, you have to have a guy that's on a rookie contract. Because if you can get a guy that's, that's you know, for us it was last year. Donovan was making $5 million a year, and he was our best player. You look at the Suns right now. They have Cam Johnson, uh, McCall Bridges, 
and Aiton, who are all on rookie contracts. Like those are three starters that you're getting that are making like a combined 15 million. That's what we're paying Clarkson. Yeah, it's insane. Like you have to play your rookies and you have to let them develop. Granted, I don't think we really had rookies that have been very deserving of time. Like we, we gave our shot to Mie Oni. No, I but I'm that. saying I'm saying like Grayson Allen. Yeah, Doak. we should have him. He's like, awesome. I wish we kept him. Grayson Grayson never played. Doak hasn't. You know, Doak has played very few career minutes, and that's because of injury. Like Doak's never cracked a rotation based on what he's done. He's cracked a rotation because we literally don't have anyone playing. Yeah. Well. I also I want to add this. I reminisce on the Gordon Hayward days when we would use the most shot clock per possession. What I miss the most is putting teams through the blender. We never hear our announcers say the blender anymore. Freaking pissing me off. I miss the blender. We never do it. The blender was every possession. We used to blend every single team. We'd pass the ball around, work it until we got the open shot. And it was awesome. Now we give the ball to Donald Mitchell get a screen, he drives, force up a bad shot, or he takes a super deep three, or we give to Clarkson to do the exact same thing. We occasionally dish out, you know, to a corner three, and our guys aren't even hitting the buckle now. And so it's just so frustrating to watch. And then we go to the defense, and no one stays in front of their freaking man, and then Rudy Gobert gets posterized by people like Westbrook when he – because he has to step up and guard these guys for the people. It's just stupid. It's so frustrating to watch. And I'm really excited to see – hopefully this opened Quinn's eyes. Hopefully he's like, okay, we have to make some adjustments. I'm hoping to see different rotations, people like Eric Pascal getting more playing time because they deserve it. Like, we need that sort of energy. We need those type of people to come in who are fighting for minutes and be like, hey, I'm going to bring all that I got every single minute you give me. Because right now we have a bunch of complacent guys who know they're – like you said, they're going to get the exact same minutes every game, the same rotation, same people. And it's, it looks like they're, they're just kind of chilling out there. Like there's times there's like periods where they go off and try hard, like at the end of the Rockets game, but it's like too little, too late, you know, like you got to have a consistent effort. It's like guys just going out there. It's like the same old, same old. I'm on the court with so-and-so again. So I'm just going to do what I got to do. And it's not working anymore. We're not that good of a team to be able to just cruise. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing is come playoff time, by Quinn, because Quinn's rotation doesn't switch from regular season to playoff. It's the same thing. We run a nine-man rotation in the regular season. We run a nine-man rotation in the playoffs. We've seen it year in and year out. Okay, what happens when, because if you look at the last, what is it now? The last five playoffs that the Jazz have been in, okay? So you had Houston, you had the Golden State, or the OKC, or I guess since Quinn's been a coach, okay? So you had the year that Hayward, um, Hayward, George Hill, in round two, George Hill didn't play, okay? And then the next year, round two, Rubio didn't play against the Rockets. Um, The next year, everyone was healthy, Rockets beat us in five. And then you have Denver. You didn't have Bogdanovich and you didn't have Mike Conley. You didn't have Bogdanovich the whole series and you didn't have Mike Conley for the first two games. Last year, you didn't have Mike Conley in the second round. 
okay, so if you have this, you have guys that need to step up. Okay, but Quinn's had a healthy team every single season for the entire year. So he runs his nine guys. Then you're forced to bring in guys that have no business being on the court because they haven't seen the court at all all year. And so it's so unfair to bring in a guy from the end of the bench into the playoffs when he hasn't played all year. But if you were to run an 11, 12-man rotation, you have a guy get hurt, great. EP comes in. You have a guy get hurt, great. Jared Butler comes in. Like, you have other guys that can fulfill these roles. And right now, we just don't see that we can do that. Yeah, we uh, for example, with the, the small ball lineup, we need more time. Like, every time it seems like that we've gone small ball, we've gotten lit up. I did like that one time where we had Rudy Gay and Eric Pascal on the court together. Um, I believe we still lost that game. It was a few games ago, but you know, like we need to, we need to mix things up more so that we're prepared for the playoffs. We need to throw different, you know, things out there against different teams and see what we're capable of doing. Because like you said, if we don't, we're going to get to the playoffs with the same rotation. Someone's going to get hurt just as our luck always is. And, you know, we're just going to get blown out because we don't know how to, to do anything differently than what we've done all season long. Um, I know that Quinn's a very smart coach. I know that the players really like him and I, I trust him. I, I think that he's going to figure it out. I've been saying this for two years now though, and we need him to figure it out because if he doesn't like, unfortunately hit, I, I like him as a coach and I don't know who to replace him, but his time's going to run out. Like we can't, if, if we lose the play, what happens to him this year? If we get booted first or second round, is he out? I mean, so it, 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 I think it depends on what we do here. But if you get booted, you know, if, if you keep this same team or, or a lot of the same team, I think, you know, at least one of these guys is gone. But, yeah, if you trade two of these guys and then you make second round, like you have to make a blockbuster trade in the offseason or, you know, you have to decide – because in all reality, we only have a couple of years left, right? Before Donovan is going to force us to make a decision. So within the next three years, if you don't get to a conference finals, you're going to have to probably move on from Rudy and Quinn. And so, you know, the time frame. I think Quinn is safe this year. But if, if you have a first or second round exit this year, Next year, he, he could be on a hot seat. Yeah, I agree. And I think that a lot of the way his coaching performs in the postseason will determine that. Like, I, you know, injuries always play a factor. Uh, if we do make a midseason trade and it ruins chemistry and whatnot, that's not always his fault. But, I mean, we have all the tools to go at least second round, but we should we're, – we're capable team of going to the Western – conference finals we have some major flaws that need to be addressed right now but we are very capable of figuring this out adjusting certain things and making it to the western conference finals it's going to be really <laughs> difficult this year with the phoenix suns the golden state warriors and now the memphis grizzlies and you can never count out people like you know the lakers just because they're such a dark horse you know wild card who knows what they're going to be able to do but we have a lot to figure out and i'm i mean i think that I'm optimistic. 
we're in the lowest of lows that I can think of in the last five years. This is as dark as it's been. We have when was the last time we lost four straight games? I can't remember. It's been um, forever. No, I think it was last year. Was it last year? Yeah. Well, Within the last two years, I know for sure we have. But here's here's the thing, and and we do want to wrap up here. So last last thing before we get to high high note, low note. So it it is a very low point to be a Jazz fan. Like we've lost to six of the worst of the seven worst teams in the NBA. Um, you know, in the past two weeks, we've given the Pacers their best win of the year, the Pistons their best win of the year, the Cavs their best win of the year the Lakers their best win of the year, and the Rockets their best win of the year. That's in the past week and a half, two weeks, okay? But here's the optimistic part. So we have the Pistons. When this releases, it'll be today. Um, but Pistons Friday. Then you go Warriors, Suns, Suns, Grizzlies, Timberwolves, all next week. This is where you make your statement. because. Come playoff time, if, if you can beat the Suns twice right here, or if you can beat the Warriors and the Suns, come playoff times when they're talking about it, when they're saying, oh, is this Jazz team good enough? Nobody, nobody is going to say, no, this Jazz team isn't good enough because they lost to the Detroit Pistons or the Houston Rockets. But if, if, you go 0-2 against the Suns here, you could say, yeah, they couldn't beat the Suns in the regular season. What's going to change in the playoffs? However, if you can go out and this week you go 4-1 and or 5-0, and if you can do that, then come playoff time, people are going to say, is this Jazz team legit? And yes, because they beat the top teams in the league, which we haven't been able to do in years past. Yeah, but – the way we're playing, that's very optimistic to expect or even hope that we could go five now. I yeah. think we're capable, but the hard part we're is, is that right but at this level, we're not playing. Correct. Donovan Mitchell is out on concussion protocol. We have no idea when he's coming back. Well, we have an idea of when he could come back, but as of right now, he's not going to be. He's out. Hassan Whiteside is out, and Eric Pascal's out for the Detroit Pistons. I think in order to succeed against all those teams next week, we're going to need at least two of those three guys back, one of them being Donovich. Wait, EP's out? Yeah. I just saw it earlier. For whatever reason, I don't know. He just listed out. Good heavens. Maybe that's why he uh, didn't play last night. I've heard that maybe it's because of trade talks. You know, maybe we're sidelining him until whatever. Um, who knows? Um, real quick though, Zach, let's talk about the, the trades. Let's just talk about um, your, your top uh, targets. Let's not really talk about who we trade, but who are your top three to five target uh, players you want to bring to the Utah Jazz that would make a difference immediately in this team? Okay, number one, Harrison Barnes. Realistic, that'd be realistic. Realistic. Number one, Harrison Barnes. Okay. Number two, so Harrison Barnes is above and beyond any. Okay, and then this is in no specific order. DeLon Wright, Gary Harris, Lou Dort, Larry Nance Jr. Okay. Mine go Harrison Barnes as well. Kenrick Williams. Or Dort. 
Yeah, Williams, Terry Williams or Lou Dort from OKC. I'm not so sure how I feel about that guy on the Hawks you just mentioned who I just blanked on. DeLon. DeLon, not sure how I feel about him yet. Um, I am intrigued by Marcus Smart, even though I think that we need to get bigger. I think that having – if we can get someone big and someone of Marcus Smart's Marcus side. Marcus Smart makes you tougher. Yes. And then the fourth one – or that was four. And then the fifth one – I'm blanking on some of them trying to say it, but those are Giannis. my four guys. I really like Kendrick Williams. Who'd you say? Giannis. Giannis. I actually do really like Larry Nance Jr., but I'm just not sure of his ability to be like the like a a three four. Yeah. He's more of like a four five. But I don't watch him enough. Maybe he defends a lot better than I do. So, yeah, we'll see what the Jazz do. I hate to say anyone should go, um, but if we were to bring anyone in, those guys are very interesting to me. All right, Zach, let's get into our buzzer beating hot takes. Let's wrap this thing up. Last buzzer beating hot take, I know I was ice cold as can be. I projected that we were going to, like, win a bunch of games. I forget exactly what the number was, but we <laughs> my, my buzzer beating hot take was uh, bad luck. Let's just leave it at that. No, it wasn't yours threes. Yours was threes. No, that was the week before. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. We just haven't been on. Okay. My buzzer beating hot take for this week. The Jazz are beating the Phoenix Suns on national TV. Wednesday night in Salt Lake. Book it, people. Jeez. Statement win. That's confidence. My buzzer beating hot take is that we will not beat the Suns at home. Dang it, Max. But we will beat the Warriors at home. But we, we will beat the Warriors Memphis Grizzlies at home. <laughs> we do not play the Warriors at home. Yes, we do. We're no. at their arena in Chase. Oh. That's no, what I'm, I'm saying we're beating the Suns at our home. Oh, you're not saying we're beating the their home? No, I'm saying at home. Let's just link up on our buzzer beating hot take, and I'm going to agree with you on this one. This is going to be too difficult, and I agree. I think the, the Jazz are going to win at home against the Phoenix Suns, and they're also going to get two other wins. I don't think they're going to beat the Phoenix Suns twice, but I think they'll beat them once, and I think they're going to beat at least the Warriors or the Grizzlies, and then the other one they'll beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. I like it. I freaking like it. All right, Max. Any final words for the people? You know what it is. Take freaking note. That's the only thing I have to say. Don't give up on the Jazz. The future is bright. We know who we have. We know what we're capable of. We have things to address, yes, but the Jazz will figure it out. Take freaking note. Take freaking note.